imagine that you're a bird. Small. No more than 11 grams. About the weight of two quarters. Your black pole warbler living in boreal Canada on the east coast. The days have been getting shorter. The weather is beginning to turn. Winter is coming. And it's time that you begin your migration. A non-stop journey to Central and South America. And you are going to make that journey the 1800 mile trip in three days. Sometimes even sleeping with one eye closed and half of your brain asleep while you're doing it. You've never done this migration before. You have the light and stars to guide you, sure, but what about when clouds jam that signal? What's up and down, north and south? How do you know where to go? The answer, though unanswered, is what we're exploring today. Stay tuned. This is The Wildlife. We are your hosts, Devin and Richard, and also your internal compass as we explore the mystery that is animal magnetism. No, not the kind of animal magnetism you might be thinking, but magnetoreception. And no, not like the X-Men character. Although, kind of? A little bit. And as much as I'd like to call it a sixth sense, many animals already have a lot of other sensory abilities that we humans don't. Like X-Men of the Animal Kingdom. Yeah, so maybe we'll just stick with good old superpower. Sounds good to me. Many, many animals have this superpower. Way more than you'd think. Whales, foxes, deer. Birds, turtles, fish, salamanders. Happy Newt Year, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, but here's where things are going to get a little bit wonky compared to usual. The truth is, uh, we don't know how it works. And not just we as in we, we. We mean we as in people. Right. But... We'll share a lot of those leading theories with you today. But first, we need to lay down some background information, and that background, it's at the center of the Earth. Many think of the center of the Earth as liquid magma, but that's relatively true about the outer core. Right, the inner core is a massive ball of mostly solid iron. As the outer core rotates around the inner core, it generates a planet-sized magnetic field. This is what gives us our magnetic north and south pole. And while humans had to invent the compass to orient ourselves, navigate, and begin to conquer the planet... Well, we had the sextant, too. Yeah, but whatever. Many of Earth's creatures already have a compass built in that allows them to sense a magnetic field. It's what allows sea turtle hatchlings to navigate the sea, birds to migrate, and salamanders to do things like navigate quickly to the shore in murky water, and even foxes to catch prey in deep snow. It's important to note that the magnetic field itself isn't uniform around the entire planet either. Right, it varies with latitude, altitude, longitude, and animals can use those boundaries as signposts to help in their navigation. It's far from just a north-south thing. What is perhaps the most insane thing about this though is that these variations are incredibly, incredibly tiny, yet animals can still pick them up. In fact, contrary to what you might believe, the magnetic field of Earth isn't as strong as you might think. Granted, when you factor in total energy and surface area, it's, it's still quite powerful. Of course, it's a planet-sized magnet, but the magnetic field on Earth ranges between 30 and 60 microteslas. Now, you don't really need to know what a microtesla is or means or what that quantifies to, but you do know what it relates to. For context, a typical bar magnet that you might have used in school, it's about 10 milliteslas. 
for comparison, 60 microteslas equals just 0.06 milliteslas, and a bar magnet is 10. So a bar magnet is incredibly more powerful than the overall magnetic field of the planet. There are two main theories about how all this goes down. The first being some sort of chemical sensory receptor, and the other is that it is a more mechanical sensor. Yeah, that first theory relies on the idea that magnetorecepting animals have tiny pockets or concentrations of magnetite, Fe304 if anyone's interested, uh, in their bodies that link up somehow with their nervous system and brain to provide some kind of perception of direction. It happens to be the most magnetic natural metal found on the planet, but it's also found in some places that really give this hypothesis some strong footing. Right, magnetite has been found in certain fish, amphibians, sea turtles, and birds, such as homing pigeons, which are well known for their navigation ability. The second theory states that animals possess a protein complex in their eyes called cryptochrome, which allows them to visually perceive the magnetic field a protein which has been recorded in the eyes of many, many different birds, again, including the homing pigeon, which has magnetite in its beak as well. In fact, in the last few years, there's been a lot of separate studies that have been done on European robins and zebra finches. In one study on European robins, birds were fit with either frosted or clear goggles, some with both lenses frosted, just one, you know, different combinations. And it was found that birds could only orient magnetically if the right eye had a clear lens. Why the right eye? Not really sure, but it does imply that there's a visual component. In both of these studies, three cryptochrome proteins were looked at. Cry 1, Cry 2, and Cry 4. I know, cry and eyes, right. But these are proteins that are associated with your internal circadian rhythm, your biological clock. And out of these three, Cry 4 is clustered in a particular part of the retina that is really, really sensitive to blue light. From there, the research gets really complicated. It deals with photons entering the eye and exciting free electrons that are in that protein complex and quantum entanglement and some really heavy quantum physics, quantum mechanic type stuff. Uh, that's just kind of complicated and we're not going to focus on that today. But neither of these theories have been proven, and reasonably so. It's hard to investigate. The magnetic field surrounds us, coursing through us at all times, which is to say that Magnetite could be located anywhere in the body and still perceive the magnetic field. So where do you look? The other factor is that while cryptochrome has been found and recorded in magnetorecepting birds, positive experiment results have really only been recorded when those animals were exposed to artificial magnets like bar magnets and horseshoe magnets, which have fields that are, well, way greater than Earth's. And also, some of those animals have magnetite too, like the homing pigeon that has magnetite in its beak as well. So it's hard to say. Maybe it's both working together. Now before you get jealous, there is some research going on that seems to be indicating that humans have a vestige, some sort of degree of this power within us, though not nearly as strong as elsewhere in the animal kingdom. So maybe go ahead and be a little bit jealous. But anyway, this magnetoreception is so powerful that even caged birds in windowless rooms will move toward the side that they want to migrate when the time comes. And like we said earlier, it isn't just birds who have this superpower. Yeah, trout noses, not eyes, have tiny cellular magnets that react with the magnetic field. And of course, baby sea turtles. 
Little dudes are just eggs. We leave them on the beach to hatch, and cuckoo-cachoo, they find their way back to the big old blue. <laughs> Was that Finding Nemo? Heck yeah, man. Fitting. Yeah, sea turtles are drawn into the ocean after they hatch, where they spend the next decade before returning back to that same exact beach to lay eggs and start the cycle all over again, after years and years and thousands of miles. Same with salmon, actually, which return inland from the big old blue to the very place they first hatched to spawn. But back to turtles for a second, that trait has been absolutely essential to many conservation and recovery efforts for a lot of different sea turtle species. Namely, though, the Ridleys. Eggs have been relocated to other beaches and habitats, even in other countries, in hopes to establish new nesting sites where the turtles might return a decade later. And guess what? It works. But this power has found other uses in addition to long-distance navigation. Foxes are theorized to use the magnetic field to help them hunt. Right, see, foxes have this quirk, it's called mousing, where they position themselves near prey and they leap straight up in the air and come down at their new meal from above. You've probably seen this on nature documentaries. Basically an aerial strike. Right, and it's so effective that not even a few feet of snow can stand in the way. When they land, do you know what they make? What? A foxhole. Oh my god. Okay. Now, <laughs> it's a known thing that foxes have great hearing. I mean, they've got these big old ears on their head, which surely that helps them in locating the prey, but it's now believed that magnetoreception might play a role as well. A study in the Czech Republic monitoring over 80 foxes performing over 600 mousing attacks showed something striking. In mousing jumps, when prey could be easily seen, you know, foxes didn't really care what direction. They came at them from all different directions. But when snow or something else was a factor, foxes consistently leapt towards the northeast and were successful 75% of those attempts, as compared to leaps from other directions being successful only 20% of the time. Think of it as sort of like a predator-like AR display when... Sound from the unsuspecting prey overlaps in certain ways with a magnetic field. It's sort of like a locked-on target type of honing device that makes their attack more accurate. Other animals also have access to the magnetic field in unique ways. Yeah, cows and deers appear to align themselves with the magnetic north while they're grazing. But that's not all. A 2016 study on roe deer found that deer use the magnetic field to avoid colliding and keep herds moving in the same direction when escaping a threat. So, not only do they graze along these north-south lines, but they escape along them as well, even if that means they're charging straight towards whatever threatened them in the first place. They looked at wind speed, sunlight, temperature, weather, all these other factors that might have been a variable, but only one common denominator existed, and that was the magnetic field. And this might also be the same with other stampeding behaviors of other herd animals as well. Either way you look at it, even with all of the advances that have been made in the attempt to understand this animal superpower, magnetoreception is still a bit of a natural black box. I guess you could say we're being pulled towards some answers through the power of science, but there's still a lot we have to navigate that has yet to be perceived. Good job, Devin. You included some topically relevant puns. Thank you. But before we go, we barely scraped the surface of the abundance of animals who possess this super cool ability. Bats, moles, rats, mice, butterflies, toads, fruit flies, literally tons of individual species. 
one such we didn't mention yet are lobsters. So, for our animal guest of the day, meet Lisa the Caribbean Spiny Lobster. Oh, whoa. Hey guys, how did I get here? Hey, so I understand your species has been found to possess magnetite, and I know that you migrate and you might navigate using it. Can you tell us a little bit what that's like? What? I don't know how to answer that. I just do it. Tell me, what's it like to see or hear? It's just part of what I do. I will, uh, I don't know how you perceive, we'll say the core, uh. Yeah, that's a tough one. Okay, uh, hmm. All right, how about this? Uh, which way is north? Oh, that way. Richard, check the compass. She's right. Oh my god, yes! Whoa! Bravo! Woo! And now... It is time... For... Animal Sound of the Week. Last week's Animal Sound of the Week... Was... A hairy armadillo. This week's sound is... Richard, are you ready? Okay, that's all I'm going to do with that. Yeah, I'm probably good. As always, send us your guesses on Facebook for a chance to win a prize. Maybe not a great prize, but a prize nonetheless. A prize! Remember, if you have any questions for us that you want or need answered, submit those questions by sending us a message on Facebook, clicking the Ask TWL button on the front page of our website, thewildlife.blog. Heck, you could even send me a message on Instagram at DevinTheNatureGuy. There's no such thing as a bad or dumb question. Remember, the whole of human knowledge, everything that we know, came to be only after millions and millions of wrong guesses, near misses, and a ton of failure. So never be afraid to ask. Instructions on how to submit your questions can be found at thewildlife.blog forward slash podcast. The wildlife is listener, reader, and viewer supported, and can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you believe in what we're doing, you can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash the wildlife. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash the wildlife. When you become a patron, you'll gain exclusive access to content and have the opportunity to appear on our show and ask questions or help read the credits. Resources and a more in-depth look at what we've talked about today, check out thewildlife.blog. As always, if we've made a mistake, please let us know with a quick message and we'll do our best to correct it. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store and share it with your friends. Good day, listeners. Boy, boy, boy.